Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb And welcome to Groundhog Minute, the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day, one repetitive minute at a time. I'm your host, Dave. And I'm your other host, Sean. And joining us once again today is our special guest from the What Is It About the Weather podcast. It's Mark. Welcome back. Oh, it's good to be here. It feels so long since I've been on last. <laughs> well, See, we, I don't know. I feel like yeah. you've been here every day. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just call me Phil. Uh, we want to welcome you to the right. show again. And today we are here to talk about Minute 60, Sean. All right. So in Minute 60, Phil is... Back at the knob, and he just can't handle it. He has come to the conclusion he needs to stop this day, and to do that, he has to stop Punxsutawney Phil. Larry says Phil is out of his gourd, and Reed at the van worries something is really wrong with Phil. Phil says he's come to the end of it, there's no way out, but at least we had that one beautiful day together once. Minute 60. Oh, oh man. Yeah, so this is a continuation. We had the the end of last minute. It was kind of the beginning of this this uh, you know the presentation, this uh, broadcast from the knob, and it's he start he you know Phil's kind of he's technically he's doing his job. He's saying the words at least in the beginning, but he's obviously it, there's the sarcasm or he's just going through the motions, and then it just he makes it through like a. a doesn't even i don't even think he makes it through a, a full sentence before it's just blah 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 <laughs> but this this minute has two of my favorite line readings from the movie and i mean it's the the wonderful chris elliott with he's out of his gourd or i i that's a horrible chris <laughs> elliott impersonation yeah and just the way he does it the way he says gourd <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love that and then the other one uh, you know, as Rita saying, uh, you know, I'm worried there's something really wrong with Phil. And and this going to going to uh, the Harold Ramis commentary, director's commentary from the uh, the Blu-ray. He says this is uh, that that any McDowell would ask him for readings, kind of ask him for how he wanted lines said. And then Rita would or Andy would try to kind of repeat and match what the director was looking for. And that this is one of those instances. This is. This is Andy McDowell doing her impression of Harold Ramis doing an impression of Rita saying <laughs> there's something really wrong with Phil. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I normally, I kind of, you know, Andy McDowell, she's got a, like a soft Southern accent. It's not too much of a drawl, or at least she, she kind of dialed it back for this part, but there's a little bit of an accent there. But this, that, that one word is kind of different from the way she says everything else in the movie. That one, there's something really wrong with Phil. And we, and we know she's right. There is something really wrong with Phil. And it's kind of funny how, yeah, she is worrying about Phil, but Larry is kind of like, man, that's going to be a real tough, uh, <laughs> Real tough sell to Pittsburgh how we're going to do this audio. You know, like him just being like, well, that's just it. Like, mm -hmm. is what it is. <laughs> um, but I, I would love to think about, you know, when he says that he's got to be stopped and I've got to stop him. And like, you know, I'm sure we had talked about that, but it's kind of like, wait, wait, what, what do you, wait, what do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those moments, and there's a few of these where we have to remind ourselves 
that we're the only ones that are along with Phil for this journey. That Larry and Rita and everyone else in this town have no idea what's going on. And they're of the opinion, we, we, we touched on a little bit last minute, that the the groundhog is just a groundhog. It's just this little animal. It, there's no magical powers. It cannot foretell the future. It can't really tell the weather. No one speaks groundhog ease. But suddenly Phil is talking like talking like this, you know, this uh, this ground squirrel has real power. He's like he's it's got to be stopped. Like, that's just got to be so confusing for them from, yeah. <laughs> you know, they, you know, maybe Rita starts off upset or angry that that Phil isn't taking the broadcast seriously. He's not really doing his job very well. And then it just takes a strange turn trying to think of it from from her perspective. This man that she's known 12 hours, 18 hours. I mean, she just met him yesterday before they drove out to, you know, made the drive to Punxsutawney and he. He's talking like this is, you know, this, that this groundhog is a force for evil all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, second 57. Yeah, like it's enough crazy for 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 Larry just to kind of even ease away from his eyepiece. Like rather than looking at the camera, he's like looking at Phil directly like, you, what are you talking about? Yeah. Oh, and actually, I hadn't I hadn't planned it out this way, but it works out. So the I mentioned last minute that Phil wasn't wearing a tie, but he was least wearing the nice shirt or what looks to me as the nicer of the two shirts that he packed. This shirt, I don't think is as nice. It, you know, it looks kind of wrinkled and maybe it's just the stripes, but like, it, well, he doesn't even have the scarf. Like he's not even even without the tie, like he's not as well dressed. His hair is messier. He's just further down into the depths that he's that he's sinking. Yeah, you know, he's he's. But I think it's I think it's been three days just counting going by the clock smashes. I think uh, by my count, three three iterations or at least three days have passed since the beginning of the last minute since we saw him in that nice crisp blue shirt, and uh, it's it's just at least three days closer to. I don't know, the end of Phil or the end, you know, either big Phil or little Phil. It seems like, you know, one of them has to go or maybe both. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, the shirt, that's the same shirt that prospectively is from yesterday. So to like the viewers at home, they're going to be like, man, <laughs> that's like the same shirt he wore the last time we saw him. And it's worse for wear. Yeah. Now, how much do you know about, uh, Mark, how much do you know about what a producer would be doing on this kind of location shot? Yeah, this is, that's one of those times when I can't, I can't really answer mm -hmm. that for sure. You know, you were talking even when we did the last minute a little bit about the producer being the boss. I, I get the impression that sometimes the, the producer may be the boss, but sometimes the talent is the boss. And, you, you know, you even hear that in their interactions of trying to make sure the talent is happy. I, you know, the producer's goal is to make sure the shot gets done, mm -hmm. right, more than anything else and, and that there's material to work with. But, you know, the – I think we so much by this point in time have lost what what role is whose anymore. Yeah, Chris Elliott's still clearly the cameraman, um, but you know it's we've gotten beyond with the the relationship of Phil even talking about as you mentioned. You know, here we have this. I hope you remember this. You know, 
wonderful day that we had together that he's now lived who knows how many times at this point mm-hmm. um, and, and that he's going to live through more. But, yeah, she's just trying to figure out, okay, I'm going to get in trouble because somebody <laughs> back in the studio isn't going to have the minute of time that they were expecting from Poxitani today. Um, I, you know, she clearly can't send that minute. So she's actually probably thinking in her mind, how do I get this guy back in the realm of reality so that we can get the minute of recording out of him that we need to get? You know, we'll make it up. We'll go back when nobody's around and do a post wrap or something like that. Um, so that's what she's probably, you know, just still envisioning at that point is, yeah, I know she's got the softer side to her, but she's still, you know, end of day, she's got, she's responsible for whatever the segment time was, whether it's, you know, a couple minutes or whether it was a few seconds really doesn't matter. And right now she's got no material she can work with. I know, yeah. That's the, that's the thing is like, yeah, it makes you feel bad in these moments where you're like, if the day continued as is, you know, and they got back to Pittsburgh, yeah, it would look really bad for her performance to be like her first day out. You can't control Phil, and he's going maniac, right? But I mean, the day's going to get worse. That's the, that's the spoiler. <laughs> exactly, worse, exactly. Yeah. New new into the job, and your very first assignment, the the talent went rogue on you. And you couldn't rein him back in. So, yeah, she's – reality in her mind is if I don't get this guy turned around and recording something, I just started a job and I'm going to lose this job sort of thing. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, maybe I'm, – I'm, you know, just – I'm just spitballing, just throwing this out there. Maybe Rita turns it around. So whatever they get from Phil, if it's good or bad, when he's done, he's done. He drops the mic. He walks away. Maybe she's like, okay, yeah, like you said, I'm responsible for this time. I need something. Okay. She grabs the mic. She tells Larry, turn that camera back on. She stands in front of the stump on the, you know, gobbler's knob where it says Phil. And then she just does it. Yeah. Maybe she like, take, this is her moment. She takes charge because she's got to have something. She kind of straightens up her hair and stands up straight and, you know, kind of squares off her shoulders, holds up the mic. She does it. They send that back to Pittsburgh and, you know, with an apology, just like, you know, we don't know what happened. Phil freaked out. It's either this or nothing. And then, then she's a star. The next day, you know, the big cities are calling New York, Chicago, (laughs) LA. They're like, who is this woman? We got to get her. You know, she's, a week from now, she's standing next to Al Roker doing Good Morning America. This is quite a sequel you're piecing together. <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking the more likely answer is she would have gone around and, and done gotten statements from locals, right? What does it mean to have Puxatani Phil, you know, as part of the culture? And do you guys enjoy having everybody, you know, the spotlight for a period of time without probably actually getting on camera? Because, you know, she's got a cameraman and locals will want to talk so i i'm sure she could do that i'm surprised she's not running over to the truck and trying to interview the varmint keepers before they run off with the varmint because that's what they're about to do and just you know cut phil off well if you're not going to give me material we'll just go around you then yeah i i agree i feel like that was in rita's initial plan when we started this film that she wanted to do that stuff and 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 you know she was excited to stay and then somehow Phil, with his attitude, convinced her and, and Larry that it wasn't going to happen. So rather than fight him and waste his time, they're just going to be like, "All right, well, you know, we'll we'll just do we'll just get home." You know, we can't, you know, we can't, you know. She doesn't want to hear it from Phil reporting. Hey, I fought with uh, Rita. She's the bad producer, and you know, I'm sure she's like, "Fine, I guess we'll just get the basic report and go home." It's a waste of money, really, and all on gas. 
to, to not get a town's worth of uh, yeah 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 in the beginning early on in the movie it did sound like she yeah she wanted to hang out and get some of the I guess the local color while it was Phil who was very insistent no we're leaving as soon as this is done we're heading back but yeah this would be a good a good opportunity grab Larry run over get a close up one on one with with little Phil here. I mean, that would be if you could get an exclusive with the groundhog himself or herself. I mean, I guess, you know, they don't like, well, could be Phil could be short for Philomena. We don't know. But yeah, if she could get like a one on one close up with, uh, you know, with the groundhog or, or a couple of the handlers. Yeah, no one then no one would miss Phil. No one's going to be like, oh, where's, you know, where's Phil Connor when they're talking to Phil the groundhog? Yeah, that actually would have turned out better for her. She'd, she'd be thanking Phil. Thank you for freaking out and not doing the broadcast. I ended up with, with better material. And I got a promotion and you got fired. <laughs> uh, but this is the, the end part of this minute after, um, you know, after Phil gives Rita a little peck on the cheek and says, you know, remember, we, we once had a beautiful day together. Wait, and can, 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 I, I'm sorry, but I love how the camera pans. It's you could you could edit it with a serial killer, like whoa, like you could edit it with a sharp tone. You know, she's like, uh, she was she was a television producer in a small town, <laughs> and there's one man she didn't think she'd run into. You know, like her close the door, turn, and it's just you know, whoa, just just yeah, Phil Connors. I've come to the end of it, Rita. You know, just like you could edit it that way. Just how how the timing is perfect. <laughs> Yeah, I never noticed it before. There's, it's only like, maybe two, three seconds when Phil starts walking and the camera starts moving with him as he's walking away from Rita. And I never really noticed it before because it it's just a couple seconds and then it cuts to our handlers, Buster and, and the other creepy guy, uh, you know, with Phil. And like, so every time I watch this, I'm looking at them. I'm looking, you know, I'm looking at the top hats and I'm looking at the groundhog. Yeah. And it wasn't until kind of preparing for the podcast that I see like, yeah, the, the serial killer stalking of Phil in the background. It's just like slowly he turned step by step, inch by inch. <laughs> it, it truly is the one second in this movie where you go, he's not a comedy actor. Right, I, I mean, you really could. You could put him in any just toward a horror flick or anything else at that moment. The rest yeah. of the time, the rest of the time, even when he's trying to be serious, it's still kind of it's Bill Murray, right? right. But when he's not saying anything, and again, you know, part of it's just his, his face and the pockmarkiness he's got and everything. But his hair's all gone, right? It's all that way. He's got that slightly disheveled, but not completely. So it's like you know, good guy gone bad sort of thing. And but yeah, just for that moment, it is it's brutal how how just ominous he looks as he's walking away, and even her look because yeah. she can't see him at that moment, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, she is looking from behind. It's like, did she spot a bad mole on the back of his head or something? Because <laughs> she doesn't have the visual reinforcement of how weird he looks, and she even looks kind of distraught at that moment. So I don't know if there's a sign off screen that says "look really scary" or, or, or what it is, but that's kind <laughs> yeah. of how it feels. I mean, yeah, I, I, the, 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 the the last few seconds here remind me of, like, falling down with Michael Douglas, where it's just this, <laughs> yeah. this mild-mannered guy, and it's, it, it just, just yeah, goes ballistic. But, I mean, in her perspective, he says, we had a beautiful day once. She's like, what are you, what are you talking about? We had, like, 
a two-hour drive in the van, and all you were was just you were salty the entire way up. And all we did was like ask if you wanted to have dinner with us, and you just you weren't you weren't polite in the slightest. And then you're like, it was a beautiful day. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Like but, it's like you're referring to a day that doesn't exist. Like that's that's all she's getting out of that, and she's just trying to process it. And yeah, it's like he doesn't walk off to the bar. He doesn't go to the co- to get coffee. He's walking toward the the pickup truck where the groundhog and handlers are. The guy he the the groundhog he mentioned minutes ago that you know to her. I, I had to stop him, and she's like, "Is he gonna get summer of Sam on this?" Well, it's kind of like the, you know, at that point they realized we do have to stay kind of in the comedy realm, right? So they go back to, you did a good job, little buddy, sort yeah. of thing. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. here's the most terrifying second in the movie, followed by trying to pet a rodent. You know, it's just yeah. sort of a, it's sort of a weird combination of things. Yeah. And, but in a horror film, don't they do that a lot of times for juxtaposition? They'll have somebody like, oh, wow, like, you know, like, oh, 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 perfect. Is, um... Is uh in Terminator in Terminator Two, uh when they're in the the the, men, the mental asylum, you have the the deputy. He he uh he's he's got the coffee thing and he looks at the cup and it's got all the cards on. It. He's like, oh well, I got a flush. Like you know, the, like these cards on a on a paper coffee cup mean anything? And he's like, oh wow, like how exciting this is. Turns around and the T one thousand just like. Boom! Just stabs him right in the face. It's a juxtaposition of like, oh, this happy moment. Isn't that crazy? Turns around, horrific death. And it'd be like the same thing here if he was with a like weapon and armed with like a with a butcher's yeah. knife or a fire axe or something. Or as as and and Sean can remind you, there was an early draft where, where he was going around town with a shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there I mean he didn't he was yeah, he was going after uh after the groundhog <laughs> with a gun. So yeah, he did, he did go around in, in, uh, yeah, the, the original version, the first version of the screenplay, but yeah, I can kind of see that where, yeah, one of the handlers like, Oh, he just, he just smiled at me. Did you see that? And then suddenly just ax through the head. <laughs> <laughs> just blood. Just, just out of Brian Doyle Murray. Just... <laughs> and he does it go by my to, to what you were saying, Mark, about, about Bill's acting the look on his face changes. He has a very sad, sorrowful look when he's talking to Rita. You know, we, you know, we had this, this beautiful day once. Please remember, leans in, the peck on the cheek. And he turns, and it's like like around second 56 of the minute, the look suddenly changes to, I don't know, like, like zombie or just steely determination like just the sadness and the sorrow disappears and it's now it's just single-mindedness i'm going to destroy the groundhog that's that's definitely the moment where you know he's decided i this is i because remember we have to remember he has not tried to kill himself like at this point in the movie that's not happened yet it will happen later right so he has not died. He's he's lived through his day either whether it be drunk in the in the in the drunk tank of the jail or it's maybe maybe frozen in the ice or like you know he passes out from the cold trying to leave the town or yeah he or or he's uh, he's trying to smooch with some other lady of the night in town but he's never died <laughs> and and the fact that yeah he has this resolve that I'm going to kill this groundhog that I think is the mystical being behind this my suffering. And I'm gonna have to die with it. Probably it's the only way I can confirm I can either. And and, and think, think about this, right? 
once you start going down this path of I'm stuck in a time loop, I think this animal is behind it. You don't know what could happen, right? You're going into the the, the wild boo yonder of like, what if I just blow up the universe? You know, what if like <laughs> yeah. this thing controls time and I stopped time and everyone in the universe just stops existing? Like, like you get into that Stephen King Langoliers thing where it's like mm-hmm. things are out of whack now. Like we're going into like uncharted territory of of, of the universe, and I think that's that's playing in his head that he's like. This is the only thing I don't know about this town. What happens to it if I and this groundhog die? Right. We don't know. And he doesn't know. And he, but he doesn't, he's going to find out, you know, the one way to find out is to do it. And he is, uh, he's just that crazy. Well, he's, and he's in that kind of denial phase where he thinks that the whole issue is external to him. Of course. That, that, you know, he's got a, the only common denominator is this, evil rodent with funny teeth and you know that that sort of thing but yeah i mean he's clearly on a mission at that moment and for all we know you know it's this is all mrs lancaster that's this is her magic that she put this spell on him and she you know she asks him every morning how did you sleep because she knows because she knows she knows mark yeah that's that's part of her her spell her mesmerizing that it's distracting it's misdirection you think it's the groundhog it's mrs lancaster or it's like that chapter in the bible where like mrs lancaster (laughs) went to the went to the went to the barkeep and they had a bet over phil's soul you know Mm. if if she could corrupt him and and going crazy uh you know with repeating the day and 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 the bartender you know he knew of phil's goodness you know we don't know these are these are gods mark we don't know yeah, I, I'm not sure I'd use the word charm to describe her, though, in, in what <laughs> she was pulling one over on Phil. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we don't, yeah, we don't know, we don't know the limits of her power. We just don't. Yeah, clearly endless, so endless that we can't even begin to comprehend. <laughs> you can't comprehend, you go mad! Yeah. <laughs> what, if, if. He had figured that out, you know, and we could have ended the movie much quicker if he'd fill out Miss Lancaster was the problem, and she was the one who needed to be thrown into the bathtub with the toaster. <laughs> I <laughs> wish, in a, in a, in a, I, I got I to ask you, uh, Sean, in any part of the script, uh, the writing, was there ever an idea of him burning down the bed and breakfast? Because I think about that sometimes, like, what if he just did it, you know? Just burns down to watch it burn, you know? You know what? No. And I think it kind of supports the theory of just how powerful Mrs. Lancaster is. <laughs> so there's, you know, the, the script went through not a lot in terms of, you know, in, in, by Hollywood terms, I've only been able to find three different versions from the original screenplay by Danny Rubin to the, the final, uh, what I think is the final revision that was from Harold Ramis that's dated, I think, a month before they started shooting. So they didn't go through a lot of different versions, but... There's a lot of different things that that they have Phil do that didn't make the cut. Like um, like Dave was referring to, uh, there's there's a scene with him with a shotgun trying to shoot the groundhog, and there's a couple different when he gets really depressed. There's a couple different ways he he tries or, or commits suicide that didn't make the final cut. But all his, you know, kind of all his acting out and all his violence and, and everything else, it's never around the bed and breakfast 
Or it's never, yeah, it's never directed towards that building and it's never directed towards Mrs. Lancaster. He acts out at one point or another against pretty much, it seems like everyone else in the town at some point. He never, other than being rude to her, he never really goes after Mrs. Lancaster because she is protected by, um, by that spell. I'm not sure. I don't know what other word to use for it. <laughs> Whatever she's got going on, even in the scenes that they didn't film, she's still protected. It's her and the barkeep. <laughs> so the, I think those are the two. They're the, the, yeah, they're the gods, the yin and the yang, the, you know, god and devil, whatever you want to say. They're the two forces, kind of the puppet masters behind the scenes, the, as it were. Yeah. And who knew we would get caught up in Miss Lancaster? <laughs> I tell you, once once you think about it, you can't stop. That's that's the trick. Yeah, once you see it, it's obvious. <laughs> once you, know. you see it, yeah. Uh, she did. She did clearly know that what he had done when he did the toaster scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, the power dipped, and she very quickly knew. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, she had that look on her face. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and then, and what does she say when the lights they kind of flicker and then go out? She says, oh, my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. I like to, I like to think there's a picture. There's a, there's a picture of me just going like, like the guy going aliens. It's me going, <laughs> Mrs. Lancaster. <laughs> uh, okay. So that, that's that's most of my notes. It ends with me going insane there. Um, but, yeah, like that. That's the that's for Rita. You know, a beautiful day was the the yesterday in the van when you talk about blood sausage, and then here he is. You know. <laughs> yeah, from blood sausage to a, a beautiful day. Yeah, from from her point of view, and like so, we we you know we've got this scary fell slowly, and and this is another one of the things I think I've mentioned it. This kind of thing during during previous minutes that it's like it's a scary calmness. It's the kind of thing when you were a little kid. And you were in trouble and your parents would yell at you. Yeah. And then there was another level where it's like, oh, they're not even yelling that, you know, this is really bad. Like, I wish they would yell because, <laughs> like, just get it out and get it over with. Like, if Phil was – if even you know, if Phil actually did, if he, like, grabbed an axe, if he was going nuts, if he was acting out, it would almost be less scary than the calmness and the suspense of just – Okay, like he's so far out there. He's past acting crazy. He's past the way he was with the broadcast and talking about stopping the groundhog and, and you know, Phil's got to be stopped. Just the quiet serenity, but the look on his face says there's something bubbling underneath that's almost scarier than than if he was acting out and um you know, we'll have to wait till next week just mm-hmm. to see what's he going to do. But yeah, that's that's all I had for minute sixty. Um, but so so Mark, you know, wait, anything wait, else? Wait, 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 yeah. wait, yeah, I, I got you know <laughs> okay. something in yeah. minute sixty. Oh please, am, am yeah, I wrong please. in looking at the cage? Does it not say traveling forecasts? It absolutely does. Hell yeah, traveling yeah. forecasts. So the prop department didn't even get a cage for a for a rodent that wasn't like this is the same rodent that travels around and goes from city to city and does Groundhog Day like eight times that day. Does it not seem that way? I mean, it's really, it, it feels to me like the, you know, the, 
they a Ooh. true rodent company brought this rodent yeah. in, <laughs> and and he goes around and does his traveling uh, shtick every other places, and they just use the cage that he came in. Hmm. Otherwise, yeah. if he's Pucks and Tawny Phil, where else is he traveling? Where is to? he traveling? To? That's a good point. Yeah, I had noticed the, uh, yeah, the little the little sign or painting epithet, the you know his little his little slogan there. Um, they did, and, and uh, Harold Ramis talks about a little bit in the director's commentary about they brought in. Uh, there's a professional trainer, kind of an animal handler that they brought in to to handle the animal. Uh, funnily enough, or, or obviously enough, and actually, when you see them on uh, on the stump on the podium and, and Gobbler's Knob, it's actually just that handler. These guys are these are actors, and they're they're holding the cage. But in terms of who you see actually holding the groundhog um, itself, it's just that professional, the handler that they brought in, which explains it why he didn't, you know go to the bathroom on everybody in that scene yeah. which is what i was expecting but. yeah so and and um i kind of presume that this 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 particular groundhog they're like born in captivity so they're not they're not pets i wouldn't say they're tame but they're at least acclimated to being around people so like you said yeah it didn't completely freak out or empty its bowels when this man reaches into his stump and and drags him out uh but i hadn't thought about it yet yeah, is this this cage, or this, yeah, the, the cage, is this a prop for the movie, or is this just the cage that the an- animal, animal handler brought to the set? And, yeah, where does where does Phil go next? Is there, like, another town down the down the road that he's got, you know, he does the 7 o'clock in Punxsutawney, and then there's an 8.30 in Altoona, and, you know, then a 9 o'clock or a 10 o'clock he's got to do later. Is there a whole circuit involved? And just keep in mind that there's plenty of, of groundhog, you know, in the in the broader sense. Lots of groundhogs across the country, and they have different names. So maybe he's Phil in Puxatawney and Albert in Altoona. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know, but I was I – was, that to me was one of those moments when I went, that's a slip up. Now, I don't know if it was or not, but it was like, it looks like his cage. And I could understand them doing that, that you want to put the the creature in whatever his familiar space is. Yeah. So I kind of got the impression that they just used the closest thing. And, you know, it just happened to be that that ground, that groundhog gets around and, and is used. I, maybe does school visits. I don't know. I, uh, you yeah. know, something like that, but it was, <laughs> it was just sort of a weird thing huh. that caught my attention. No, that's a good. I thought in like in the lore of the film that yeah, that's another way the council easily gets money is they you know they, they prostitute get, Phil out as they what prostitute you're they get little they get they get Joe Creek Boy Joey over here you know him and maybe Buster sometimes depending on if the money's good yeah they they take him around to uh to yeah to schools and stuff you know it's easy they get to show up they get to such a just say oh listen to Phil and he talks to us and then boom that's easy money you know. And then the kids are going to ask dumb questions, and then they can hmm. give dumb answers, and et cetera, et cetera. It's uh, easy money. It's it's right up there with is disturbing to me is why so many military people needed to be on hand for Groundhog's Day. Riots. I I, I was always thrown <laughs> off in the number Riots. of people in fatigues around Phil when mm-hmm. he was doing his forecast. So I don't know. Just one of those things. Just yeah. one of those I'd, things. I'd say security, but 
obviously their security is not that great because they're all gone at this point. Yeah, and they all look yeah. like they were in Red Dawn or something. They <laughs> they have fatigues kind of of that generation, and you know, I think it's even mm-hmm. some of the same actors that just don't get credited <laughs> with it in this film. Yeah, I mean, they just may be in camo for, for hunting. I don't know when hunting season is, but I think this part of Pennsylvania... Hunting's probably pretty popular. Yeah, it didn't really look uh, like hunting camo. But yeah, sure, go with that line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, to, we'll stick with it. Isn't that... Um, uh, yeah, I was going to hazard a guess on deer season, but uh, I'm not a hunter, so I don't really know. I know I had, I had a buddy who was a, a hunter, and he had friends, and every once in a while I'd get I'd get some venison and make some stew with it. But uh, I didn't do like the killing and cleaning myself. I was just, if you have meat, I will eat meat. So I, I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, there was a fair bit of uh, a show of security there, uh, who yeah, who are all mysteriously absent at this mm-hmm. time. And and again, prior to nine eleven, so there wasn't necessarily a need for stepped up security with Phil, and you know the possibility of Phil being taken away across borders or anything like that. Of course. Well, right. I wonder. Like these days, they probably have metal detectors and everything. They they've stepped up security. They got you know dogs sniffing around and stuff just to, <laughs> just to prevent. Whatever it is Phil's going to do, because it doesn't look good. I think we need some security on this scene. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is... this is. <laughs> I don't know what this means, if anything, but um, as you were drawing our attention to uh, to the, the traveling forecast, I have it frozen. So right about second 57, we get a, a good view. The, the one handler, his arm's out of the way, so we can get good look at at the lettering on the cage. But on the other side of that same handler, we have a view of the interior of the truck. What's going on with that dashboard? The radio is gone. What I presume would be like the air, like the air controls where like the air conditioning and heating controls would be. It's just a hole. There's just empty holes on that dashboard where like stuff should be. (laughs) Yeah, it's cheap. It really is. Well, clearly they're about to send it over a ledge. So it really, <laughs> they, you know, and actually that it's, may be the explanation. We, we, I know I'm getting ahead, but given what happens to this truck, yeah, right, aren't they environmentally probably trying to pull as much stuff out of it to where all it does is run? Yeah, all it does is run and then can run over the, the edge of a quarry. They've kind of cleared out the, uh, <laughs> the interior there. Good point. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you've, you've ever if you've ever been in a car like that. It is kind of it was creepy for me. I had some some friends in high school. Um, I, I hung out with with. So I'm not really handy mechanically inclined, but I happen to hang out with with the kind of guys who are like in metal shop. And in my high school, I actually had an auto shop. I, I I don't know if I think it was restricted by grade, but at least the juniors and seniors could take auto shop. As a class and like, you you know, the teachers would bring their cars in and they'd rotate tires and do oil changes and stuff. I, I'm not quite sure what they did. But um, so I hung out with, some, you know, some of these motorheads and, and um, mechanically inclined uh, youths. And I had one friend who had a car that was the interior was completely stripped. It was just I mean, kind of I, I don't know if he raced it, if if, if it was if he actually did like illegal street racing, but it looked like the kind of car that it was just an engine and a steering wheel and the, you know, three pedals, gas, brake and clutch. And there was no climate controls, no radio. 
the doors were metal. There was no like fabric or lining interior. There was no headliner. It was just a metal box with an engine. And it was kind of creepy. It was, and and I, I knew like the guy wasn't, it was a friend of mine. I didn't really think he was going to drive me out into the middle of the woods and, you know, and, and, and dig a hole for me or anything. <laughs> but it was, it was kind of like, uh, what was that? The, the, the Tarantino and Rodriguez movie, like Death Trap. No. Oh, uh, death proof. Death proof. Yeah, it was kind of like, uh, and, and and I didn't know it at the time because this is before that that movie came out because I'm old and high school was many years ago. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like death proof. It was kind of like creepy, like getting into a car that didn't have all the normal things that most cars have. Um, and I kind of like, I kind of, I'm, I'm suddenly getting that feeling from this truck that I'm like, you know, why, why are there just holes in the dash where normal things should be? Um, well, I, I'm, I'm glad I could participate yeah. <laughs> in minute 61 in addition to minutes 59 and 60, since we've, we've probably given you enough material to work with for the next minute. Well. <laughs> there you go. We'll just cut it up and, and we're done. <laughs> All right. Well, so yeah. Well, so thank you very much for joining us for minute, minute 60 and, and minute 61 there, Mark. And so, I mean, <laughs> you know, anything else not, and it doesn't have to be specific to this, this, this minute, you know, anything, uh, Groundhog Day or, or Groundhog or weather related, you know, anything else you uh, you feel you want to share with our listeners? No, because the, the more we'll do is the more I'll get just finding other things in the truck as I keep wondering why the <laughs> steering wheel is too small for the size of the truck and everything. Yeah. And I'm sure that had something to do with the way the rodent would then hold on to it later. See, I'm, th- I'm already thinking ahead. Yeah. And you've got weeks <laughs> upon weeks to get to all this material. Right. Um, yeah, no, we've got, to, we've got to stretch this out for a whole movie. We can't do it all now. Yeah, exactly. 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 I don't, I don't yeah. want to take future guest material away from them. I know you're going to have a all steering right. wheel expert on. We've already talked about an animal <laughs> biologist that you're going to have on. <laughs> you're gonna go find your friend from from high school who was the yeah. motorhead and have him on to talk about the dynamics yeah. of the car and what kind of car you'd want to run into a quarry i you know i i'm glad i could help with your future guest list the, the yeah evening, absolutely but. so uh so listeners please join us next week where our guest will be jack Hanna. um <laughs> and for and for the kids out there ask your parents or exactly. your grandparents who yeah. might know who jack Hanna yeah. is but uh so so mark once again for our listeners that I'm sure want to hear more from you and, and, and all your your automotive and, and animal insights, where can they find you? Yeah, I, I have a, a great new podcast called Animals in the Automotive World. <laughs> you can find No, just kidding. But anybody can catch episodes of my podcast, What Is About the Weather, at whatisabouttheweather.com, and you can find information there about how to subscribe and follow the podcast as well. And, of course, you can follow me personally on Twitter. That's kind of where I'm most active, although lately I've, I've not been even there as much. It's just Mark with a K underscore Jelinek, J-E-L-I-N-E-K. All right, and, you, and you folks, much. you can find us at groundhogminute.com, as always, and join the conversation on uh, Gobbler's Knob which is our Facebook listeners group. And rumor has it, we were also on Twitter at Groundhog Minute. And as soon as I figure out how to use Twitter, I'll be there too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listeners, we want to thank you uh, for being with us uh, on Phil's dark day here. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) and, uh, we want to thank you for listening. And we will see you tomorrow, if there is one. All right, little fella. Good job. Don't let them say your hair's too long.